The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Let's be with my friends. I'm trying to save you some money. My job, not just to entertain, but to teach. Put it in context. Call me, 1-800-743-CNBC, or tweet me, at Jim Kramer. Before we get to the holidays we got to make it through next week. We have the Consumer Price Index coming on Tuesday and the Fed meeting on Wednesday, both of which are total make-or-break moments, especially after today's hotter-than-expected producer price index reading. That suboptimal inflation number is one reason the market couldn't get a lift today. Dow dipping 305 points, S&P declining 0.73%, NASDAQ inching down 0.7%. Not a nice day. So what do we do? What do we need to do to see a, uh, how about a Murray stock market Christmas? Simple. We need to see a cooler consumer price index with the Fed only raising interest rates by 50 basis points and then saying they'll take some time to assess the situation before they tighten again. Data dependency. Why is this important? First off, because today's producer price index number was a couple of tenths of percent hotter than we had hoped for. The Fed likely has no choice now but to hit us with a fit, at least a half point rate cut uh, hike. They have to. And the, the number was that bad. That said, the consumer price index is much more important to the Fed's decision making. So we can't have a benign Fed meeting unless we get a benign CPI reading the day before. Is that likely? Hard to say. But I do know this. Two major CPI components will go from inflation to deflation this time around. We've had a dramatic decline in used car prices. With plan outsized rolling calculating the consumer price index. Meanwhile, the price of gasoline, as we all know, keeps coming down. Currently, it's seven, oil is at 71 bucks. And by the way, it's showing no sign at all of rebounding as Russia keeps flooding the world with crude in order to fund its war efforts. These two inputs, gasoline and cars, aren't important enough to make the Fed back off, they don't justify no rate hike or even a smaller quarter point hike. But the market expects 50 basis points, and I think we can handle it. 
The real issue is Jay Powell's commentary after the initial statement. As long as he recognizes that he's already prepped us for a 50 basis point hike and says something about going more slowly in the future, then I think we really could have a terrific Santa Claus rally. All right, with that in mind, what else is in our game plan? All right, it's a difficult week. It really is. There's some interesting things for what should be a sleepy week in December. On Monday, Pfizer has a meeting to talk about their pipeline. Now, this is one of the most exciting drug stocks out there. Remember, Pfizer co-invented one of the mRNA COVID vaccines that's allowing our economy to leapfrog over China's because they refuse to use the good stuff. Pfizer's biggest problem is that people feel there's not much more to the business than its COVID franchise. Flatly untrue. Maybe they can change some minds on Monday. I bet they will. The biggest fear with Pfizer was that they've got some upcoming patent cliffs with major drugs losing exclusivity. But I think they've made enough acquisitions and invested enough in their pipeline to keep delivering impressive new drugs. Also, Monday, we hear from an ethical Coupa Software. They've been on the show a number of times. Well-run cloud software company that handles procurement. Now, we've heard rumors that it might be for sale. Coupa's a high multiple stock, but they're doing a great job. Unfortunately, Wall Street's got no patience for these richly valued high growth cloud names as we've seen time and again. It just hasn't since last year, November. Coupa needs to pivot toward higher profits and cash flows rather than growth at all costs. Without that pivot or a takeover, I don't see the stock going anywhere. The most important earnings call of the day comes from none other than Oracle, a gigantic company, which, by the way, has some real bragging rights, given that they just got a piece of a major cloud contract from the Defense Department. Oracle's chronically undervalued. I bet this cloud news plus its recent acquisition of Cerner, an electronic medical records company, could actually ignite the stock. Well, look, I mean, it's 16 times earnings. I just don't see how much there is to lose. Tuesday will be dominated after the CPI data, of course, by the Lilly Analyst Meeting. While I like the stock, I can tell you this is a conservative company and it has a history of not hyping itself or its drugs. Now, we've got a big position in Louis for the Chapel Trust because of its amazing diabetes, obesity, and potentially Alzheimer's franchises. I think the diabetes drug doubles as a weight loss drug could be the most remarkable, but Louis a responsible company. This thing currently approved, only approved for diabetes, but it is being used widely for weight loss off-label. I, I doubt that they'll publicly uh, they'll talk about this thing. They really can't. Unfortunately, Louis' unwillingness to hype will turn off some investors. I say if you don't already own it, I want you to wait to buy some until after the analyst meeting. If you want to know more, well, you got to join the CNBC Investing Club. We know that the world will come to a stop Wednesday at 2 p.m., when the Fed has used a statement, may I suggest you wait for the world to stop until 2.30 when Jay Powell will go well beyond the statement and get to the heart of the matter. Boy, were people faked out the last time when the statement sounded like Jay was dovish. Then the press conference, he came on like a red-tailed hawk. I wouldn't be surprised if we something similar this time around. In terms of earnings Wednesday, it's Lennar. They report after the close. Gigantic, terrific home builder. Always tells it like it is when Executive Chairman Stuart Miller at the top of the conference call gives us the state of the industry. you got to listen to it. We're in a weird moment where we actually want him to say sales are getting weaker because that's the only way to get this rate hike cycle over with, isn't it? The Fed won't stop until housing cools down. Unfortunately for us, I think Lennar will end up with terrific numbers because they're very good at what they do. I do wish, uh, I, I really wish the Fed realized that the home builders are doing everything they can to put up new homes to build supply. They're not the problem. 
It's just they can't build homes fast enough, and people have too much cash to be stopped right now by higher mortgage rates. On Thursday, we hear from a much maligned now a company, Adobe, which laid an egg the last time it reported and announced it was buying Figma for $20 billion in cash and stock. Thus, you're a new era of collaborative creativity. The market hated it. Sure, I know how it looks. Adobe seemingly paid too much money for a small company. Right now, the regulators are debating whether the deal can even happen. Uh, and, of course, everyone's still worried about Adobe's slowing growth rate. To me, that says, you know, don't be opportunistic here. It, 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 it's too soon. Wait to buy this undervalued company because it is, I'm afraid, Probably going lower. Now, of course, we've got the investing club meeting, which, you know, I get a kick out of. I do with Jeff Marks. We got some new ideas. We'll probably have a new buy. I want you to join or else you won't be able to know or you won't be able to be on our 1020 conference that we do every single day. Finally, on Friday, we get results from two very important companies to the firmament. One is Darden, the other is Accenture. Darden's casual dining, think Olive Garden, and it can offer a bargain that can rival home cooking in terms of price. I think as we get into a tougher time here, people will go out to a more reasonably priced place to, get, to celebrate, and that's Olive Garden. I think they'll put up excellent numbers, but some people think the, its stock has run too much. It could hope the whole, up the whole restaurant group. Now, Accenture helps other businesses digitize. This is the company that directs so much business to say the likes of Salesforce.com. They've been doing incredibly well, but the stock does tend to get go down after the quarter. By the way, I, if you think, as I do, that companies will cut back on digitization going forward in order to attempt to save money, you might want to avoid Accenture, too. Bottom line, these big macro numbers and important Fed meetings are a drag. I know. They obscure the actual opportunities out there. I want you to keep your eyes open for ideas and not be blinded by the Fed light. Gavin in Maryland. Gavin. Hey, Jim. Just calling to give Mr. Mark's class a shout out. and want to know what's your opinion on Best Buy. All right. I thought Best Buy had a remarkable quarter, and I know that you're not supposed to want a company that sells discretionary appliances and goods like that going into a recession. And yet, what a fantastic quarter it was. Stock's pulling back now. I think that Corey Bowery should come on the show because I think she's one of the most talented executives in the entire retail industry. John in Michigan. John. Hi, Jim. How you doing? John, it's been a great day. How about you? Oh, great day. I uh, love your show and uh, watch Thank it every you. night. It's so Thank great. You. Learn so much. You really help us all Thank out. you very much. Thank I, you. I That's great. See, Thank you. Thank you. I wanted to see what you think of on holding AG, uh, tick, tick, ticker uh, symbol O-N-O-N. It's a uh, footwear and accessory manufacturer. And uh I am so glad you brought. I'm so glad you brought this company to my attention. I happen to think it is terrific. It's losing money, so nobody wants to buy it. I think it's a terrific speculative stock. I rarely endorse speculation. I think this one works. I think you got a great call, and I want to thank you for the kind comments. Everybody, I want you to open your eyes and do not be blinded by the Fed light. On Man Money tonight, Prometheus Bioscience has soared this week on strong phase two results. I'm learning more about what the company's up to here. Then Tyson stock has flown under the radar of late. So are investors getting a buying opportunity in the stock? Or maybe the selling's been warranted. I'm taking a close look at the situation. Give me my take. And could Nucor bring some gains of steel to your portfolio going into year end? I'm getting the latest from the company's top brass, which is now struggling with tariffs again. So stay with Kramer. 
Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visited visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about biotech stocks this year because they trade on their potential in the distant future. Something nobody in Wall Street really cares about right now when the Fed's tightening aggressively, we have a lot of inflation. But every once in a while, you get a reminder of why the best biotech names are still worth watching and owning. This week, that reminder was Prometheus Biosciences, symbol is RxDx, which is developing drugs for people with various types of inflammatory bowel disease, big market, including ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. On Wednesday morning, Prometheus announced some incredible phase two trial data for the lead IBD drug, and the numbers were great. Terrific efficacy, terrific safety. In response, the stock shot up, yes, I'm not kidding, 166% on Wednesday for gaining another 22% yesterday, even as it pulled back slightly today to the big stock offering. We got to dig deeper in this because this is going to make this company into a major pharmaceutical almost overnight. So let's talk with Mark McKenna. He's the chairman and CEO of Prometheus Biosciences. Mr. McKenna, it is a pleasure to have you on Mad Money. Jim Graham, great to see you. Well, I've got to tell you, I, I want people to understand because you have something for a illness that many people have that there are so many people excited about 
that I'm going to give you the floor to explain, because I think unless you have the disease, you just don't know what kind of success path you might be on here. No, that's exactly right, Jim. Look, inflammatory bowel disease is a chronic disease of the inflammatory tract, affecting more than 5 million patients globally. Despite that, you know, despite big drugs like Humira, um, Remicade, you know, that are $20 billion in sales, those treatments are suboptimal. Only 10 to 15% of patients um, are able to achieve an outcome. Uh, these patients wax and we wave with their disease, and uh, we can do much better for these patients. And the approach that Prometheus Biosciences has taken is to be the first to introduce precision medicine into inflammatory bowel disease and broader immunity. And what we're doing is we've introduced a new target called TL1A, and we've paired that with a precision medicine approach. We can have a diagnostic that can identify the right patient for the right drug. TL1A by itself is a breakthrough, the first dual mechanism dr uh, drug in the class, an anti-inflammatory, anti-fibrotic. All the other agents on the market are anti-inflammatories. Uh, fibrosis is one of the biggest unmet needs in this category, and combining it with a precision approach like in oncology makes a lot of sense. And thanks to our platform and our, our, our um, approach is enabled by data, AI, and machine learning that allows us to find novel targets by interrogating this data to find genetic associations within it. All right, well now how about toxicity between the current uh, standard of care and what Prometheus might be offering? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. Clearly you gotta have safety is number one, followed by efficacy. It's even better when you have both. The data that we just released yesterday clearly showed that we have a uh, best-in-class um, uh, efficacy paired with uh, industry-leading safety. Clearly, we need to validate this in our phase three studies, but we're in, you know, very encouraged by what we see in terms of the, the safety and efficacy profile. It's at the top end of the range of anything that's ever been seen in this category. And it's not just about inflammatory bowel disease. That's our primary and starting, that's where we're starting, but that's not where we're finishing. Um, this mechanism, like what Humira has done, has broad application in other autoimmune diseases. And we plan in due time to be able to explore that. You know, we should point out that Humira is probably the greatest selling drug of all time. So we're not talking about any small need here. Now, I know you raised some money today. And given the fact how horrible the market was, I think the stock held up well. But the question is, in order to be able to do the gigantic trials that you may need to get FDA approval, even the amount of money, even $500 million may not be enough. How can you ensure that you will get to the finish line, given how difficult it is to get a drug through the FDA? With efficacy like we demonstrated, it clearly um, opens up all kinds of frontiers. And I would just say that you know, with the capital we raised, we feel very confident in our position to be able to develop the drug. Uh, make no mistake, there's tons of interest in TL1A. That being said, we're not relying on anyone else to be able to develop this drug and we're confident in our path forward. Look, the, the stock reaction today was, you know, the last couple of days have been phenomenal. However, we're focused on getting these drugs to patients as fast as we can and creating long-term value. This, this is an early days of a pretty exciting story. Think of Regeneron, Amgen, Vertex, all companies, Jim, that you followed over the years. Sure. You know, they were at this point, they were at the same juncture at one point. Based upon the results that we showed, along with our pipeline, we have the opportunity to be the premier inflammation and fibrotic company. And uh, pharma is taking note. And I, I know also that your bloodline, Cedar sinai now those of us in the East are snobs. We don't know that the standard of care is often set by a hospital called Cedar sinai So if you just might, just talk about your association with them. 
Yeah, so Prometheus Biosciences is a cedar cyanide spin out. The, our founder, Dr. Steph Targan, discovered the, the target TL1A and over the last 20 years has built a, the largest biobank in the world in this category. Genomics, samples, and uh, clinical metadata. Through this treasure trove of data, we're able to identify new targets for development as well as companion diagnostics for each of our drugs. You can look at like data sets like 23andMe, clearly millions of patients uh, have been sequenced. However, when you look behind that data set, what they're missing is the clinical metadata. It's all patient self-reported outcomes. And it's tough to do data science on that type of um, characterization. This is truly groundbreaking. And the data that we just showcase clearly uh, validates this approach and uh, validates the, pl the platform. Well, I'm glad you came on. This is a very important day for your company. But more importantly, like you said, this is how Regeneron started for me. I just was a company. They had some good thing. And I said, you know what? Maybe bank with these guys. Maybe this is the kind of thing we should be thinking about rather than, than doing too much enterprise software SaaS companies. You've got something great here. And I want to thank Mark McKenna, Chairman and CEO of Prometheus Bioscience, RxDx, for coming on our show. Great to meet you, sir. Yeah, likewise, Jim. Good to see you. Thank you. Absolutely. Man Money's back after the break. Coming up, it's a game of chicken. Kramer flies the coop on Tyson Foods next. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. A lot of things confound me about the business. They confound you. Sometimes you get a situation where a company that should be doing very well instead puts up incredibly disappointing numbers. And when that kind of counterintuitive failure happens, I say we take a closer look, which brings me to the stock of Tyson Foods. That's the packaged meat company that produces roughly one-fifth of the beef, pork, and chicken in the United States. You've bought their stuff. I have, too, along with a host of packaged food brands like Jimmy Dean, Hillshire Farm, Ballpark Frank, State Fair, and others. Fills your refrigerator, sells mine. At a time when we hear endless complaints about rampant food inflation, you think companies like Tyson would be able to put up real good numbers, right? I mean, isn't that right in the wheelhouse? We're supposed to be persistently high inflation. It's all we talk about in wages, food, housing. So bad, the bears say the Federal Reserve needs to wreck the whole economy in order to get these prices under control. In that kind of environment, Tyson Foods should be printing money, right? Yet that's simply not the case right now. Tyson's trading at $63 and change. That's down roughly 37% from its peak in February, down just nearly, down 28% just since the end of July. All right, so what the heck's happening here? Is Tyson dropping the ball, victim of poor management, or is there something else here that we're missing? Maybe the whole food inflation thesis is wrong. Why don't we take a closer look? 
When you zoom out, this stock is actually doing very well at the beginning of the year. Tyson reported a phenomenal quarter in early February, so good that it allowed the stock to jump 12% in a single session. 12%. And there was absolutely nothing to dislike about these numbers. 24% revenue growth, monster 48% earnings growth, thanks to booming beef business, along with real strength in chicken and prepared foods. It had all come together for Tyson. But just one week later... Tyson started getting a wave of analyst downgrades. Downgrades turned out to be 100% correct, by the way. These analysts pointed out that the strength in beef and chicken was already baked into the stock. Then they started talking about deteriorating margins as the beef packing business returned to more normal levels. Uh, the coup de grace came in early May when Piper Sandler downgraded Tyson precisely because of rampant and food inflation. Here I was thinking this is the one to buy off rampant food. No, it's the one to sell. See, if you thought food inflation was good news for, meal, for a meat company, Piper pointed out you might be mistaken. Their argument, meat's expensive, so when consumers' budgets get stretched by rising food prices, as we know is the case in our country right now, they're likely to trade down to cheaper stuff. And you can say the same thing about a Fed-demandated recession. When the economy slows down, you see the same trade-down effect. Many food companies are immune to a slower economy, but Tyson's a lot more vulnerable than most. Everybody needs to eat, but they don't necessarily need to eat high-end beef. Now, Tyson still managed to deliver another good quarter in early May, even raising their full-year sales guidance. I thought it looked really good to me. But they also cut their volume growth forecast. So initially, the stock jumped about 2%. I got that. I was sitting right over there at that desk. I said, ooh, looks like Tyson's good. But then it gave back that whole gain over the next three days. Over the course of the summer, Tyson's shares continued to roll over, despite there being no particularly important negative catalyst. Sure, the company had some political headaches in May. House Representatives COVID Committee, Subcommittee accused Tyson and other meat companies of making baseless claims in order to stay open during the lockdown. In August, the New York State Attorney General accused them of refusing to comply with a subpoena for a price gouging investigation. Not great headlines at all. But you know what? I don't think this stuff moved the needle for shareholders. It was just kind of out there. Of course, in July, now this was different, the Wall Street Journal published a very negative piece detailing how severe operational issues were causing Tyson to fall behind in the chicken industry. Plagued by staffing shortages and chick-hatching problems, they haven't been able to keep up with the competition in business they used to dominate. Tyson was chicken in this country. When Tyson reported again in August, the results were a lot more mixed. Their sales growth slowed to 8%, although that still came in slightly ahead of Wall Street expectations. But their earnings were a little light, down 28% year-over-year, with weaker-than-expected margins in chicken and prepared foods. They even cut their full-year volume guidance. Whoa. Forecasts went to zero, down from one to two percent. And that was previously, that's what they previously thought. Zero. So in response, wow, the stock got slammed. This thing, Tyson Foods, boring stock, right? It went down eight percent in one day. And then the darn thing just kept getting hit and hit and hit over the course of August and September. A few months ago, the stock caught another downgrade, this time from a, a placid firm called Argus. Making the same case we just mentioned, Tyson's been steamrolled by inflation because it's causing consumers to trade down to cheaper meat brands. Why buy Tyson stuff if there's a private label knockoff version for the same kind of thing, right? Didn't help when they brought in a new CFO in September. All right, now this is interesting. But a new CFO in September, he's the 32-year-old great-grandson of the company's founder. You know what? They build him as a, quote, dynamic next-generation leader. 
only to see him get maybe a little too dynamic six weeks later when he got arrested for public intoxication and trespassing after getting drunk and falling asleep in some random person's home. All right, this was in Fayetteville, Arkansas, a town I'm not familiar with. Uh, but to be fair to the new CFO, the University of Arkansas had just lost a heartbreaker to Liberty University that day. Plus, there's clearly something in the water in Fayetteville that impacts meat and meat-like industry executives. Just a few weeks before, the now former COO of Beyond Meat bit someone's nose following another Razorbacks game, albeit a clear victory. Once again, though, I don't think that's a needle mover either. What matters more are the numbers. When the company reported its most recent quarter a little less than a month ago, their earnings per share came in light. Again, this time weaker than expected operating margins in every major segment except for chicken. The beef division saw its operating margins plummet from 22.9% last year to 7.7% in the latest quarter. (laughs) Brutal. Their pork business actually lost money in the quarter. While Tyson didn't call out one key issue, they mentioned a number of different problems. Uh, Higher live cattle costs, hurting beef, uh, herd health issues, uh, hurting pork. Management also repeatedly pointed out that their new productivity program is already yielding big savings. It saved them $400 million in the 2022 fiscal year. But clearly that's not enough given the state of the business right now. All that said, the quarter wasn't terrible. It certainly doesn't justify the kind of decline we've seen in recent months. But that's because Tyson's been slammed by worries about the future. Between inflation and slowing economy, there's a widespread sense that consumers will start trading down, and that means that they will not buy Tyson Foods' branded product. So even though the stock is selling for less than 10 times earnings, and boy, I I have to admit, I was tempted. But when we did the work on it, I said, you know, not for me. When a company misses the earnings estimates for two quarters in a row, you need to put it in the penalty box. Here's the bottom line. I don't know how badly Tyson will get hit by the trade down effect, but it clearly will. I say, why take the risk? This thing has become a battleground stock. And I'd much rather you stay away from battlegrounds because there are easier ways to try to make money, especially when the CFO seems a tad dazed and confused after being caught sleeping in a house that wasn't his. Let's, call, let's talk to Malinsky, who happened to be my former congressman in Virginia. Malinsky. <laughs> How you doing, Jim? I haven't talked in a while. It's great to, great to hear it's your voice. It's been too long. It's been too it's long. Been, What's going it's on? It's been way, way too long. Hey, I, I've got a question for you. Is yeah. the, the consumer's hurting, and right. I've been talking to my channel checks on food and stuff like that and looking at prices. So if I had to throw a stock at you... To, to look at it, and it was down. It's down. It was down three, uh, almost four, four points today. Okay. Is okay. Treehouse Foods. What are we? What are we doing? Food. Food inflation. Now, Treehouse Foods is, is what. I, it's precisely the stock you're supposed to buy. Precisely the stock you're supposed to buy in this environment because they do have the best trade down. So I'm going to agree with you. I like Treehouse. I think it should be bought. I think you're in good shape. I think it's a great call. And I want to thank you for checking in again. It's great to hear your voice. Let's go to Tyler in California. Tyler. Big Booyah from California. Jim, how you doing? I love familial Booyahs. They remind me of the glory days. What's happening? (laughs) All right, Jim. Hey, so I'll make it quick for you. I would like to know if uh, CMG Chipotle is... uh, Safe for the recession. Bye, bye, bye. You know something? 
Some people don't trade down and some people don't stay away. It is a treat to go to Chipotle. The study that I've done, and I've worked a lot on this because of my uh, I own a Mexican restaurant, is what people do in tough times is they look forward, and we're going to talk about that at the beginning of the show, with Darden and Olive Garden. They look forward to going out at a place where they get a really quality meal and it doesn't cost them a fortune. And that's why Chipotle has historically done well in these situations. All right, now, this is a piece that I came at from a totally different level. I was thinking it's time to buy, buy, buy Tyson. And it turns out Tyson has become a battleground stock. And I'd much rather you stay away from battlegrounds because there are easier ways to make money. Hey, we got a lot ahead, including my exclusive with Newport. With steel prices soaring this year, how does that set the company up for 2023? And what about this sticky tariff situation? I'll get in the latest with the CEO. Then, it's the tale of two companies, one with high expectations and the other lower. I'm taking a closer look at Costco. And then now, the suddenly much-despised Lululemon, which I am telling you is good. You stick with me. And all your, rapid, all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Earlier today, in a confusing decision, the World Trade Organization ruled that the tariffs our government placed on imported steel nearly five years ago, the national defense-based tariffs, violate our treaty obligations. The WTO doesn't really have the power to do anything about this, but I think it's worth making the case for these Section 232 tariffs. I am totally in favor of free trade as long as it's happening on an even playing field and we're not competing with non-market economies. Unfortunately, countries like China love to subsidize their own industries in order to drive foreign competitors out of business, or worse. And that's what they're trying to do with steel. And it's why Trump's steel tariffs made so much sense to me. All of this has been good news for domestic steel producers. And it's not like they're engaging in any competitive behavior. They're driving lower costs and better quality. Look at Nucor. It's the best American steelmaker. They've announced a bunch of new factories around the country, dramatically increasing production, hiring like mad, and producing the cleanest and safest steel in the world. So do not take this from me, though. I want to speak, and you need to hear from Leon Tapalia. Leon is the chairman CEO of Newport. Let me get a better read of the situation. Mr. Tapalia, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate you having me on today. Absolutely. Leon, I got to tell you, I'm kind of livid about this, but I want you to do this. You're the steel guy. I'm just a guy in the, in the news. But what do you think this WTO panel could mean for the future of steel tariffs and for our domestic steel industry? You know, I think you um, you started out very well, Jim. You know, the WTO is is ruling today is is really unprecedented and really has no bearing or or statute to impose what what they imposed for the WTO to try and regulate national security issues for any nation, never mind the United States, um, is absurd. So, uh, our USTR, Catherine Tai, and, and um, uh, General Counsel Paish. Uh, statement today is incredibly uh, in 100% accurate. It doesn't have the standing. It doesn't have the ruling. And most importantly, it's not going to change in, in redact any of the tariffs that have been put in in 2018. Um, they're not just important from a national and security defense situation, which they are. But as Jim, we've talked about many times, our nation must continue to be a nation that makes and builds things. We've got to continue to reshore and build um, our um critical infrastructure needs, security needs, and again, the rebuilding of a green and digital economy in our nation and beyond. 
Well, got to tell you, Liam, one of the things that's most pathetic about the WTO is that we have something that in our lifetime we thought we'd ever have. We have a gigantic land war going on right now. And our allies are fighting an enemy that we all know is a plutocratic, uh, I would say, genocidal regime, the Russians. And if we didn't have any steel, then Ukraine would lose to them. Why is that not obvious as the, the nose on people's face? Yeah, Jim, it's the absolute need for reform in the WTO. It has got to change. It has the tools at its disposal to regulate world trade for market economies very well. But let's face it, for two decades or longer, non-market economies have dumped, illegally dumped and subsidized steels into the shores of the U.S., devastating our industry. 232 is a, a part of the remediation plan, but so is strong trade regulation. And we're going to continue to advocate for that. We've won a lot of cases in both administrations, and we couldn't be more pleased with the current administration and the uh, the position and stance they took today. And, and we're in full and complete alignment with that. Can you talk about the renaissance in our country in just such a short period since we were assured that the Chinese would not find ways to dump their bad steel into our country? Yeah, Jim, look, there, there's obviously some uh, some headwinds facing us. But as we think out to 2023, there's incredible tailwinds as well. The CHIPS Act is $55 billion to reshore semiconductor plants. And of that $55 billion today, that represents about 27 or 28 semiconductor plants that are going to be built in the United States. The in, in, uh, Inflation Reduction Act, the IRA, is another tailwind as we build out the renewable energy that Nucor is incredibly well positioned uh, with our new mill in Brandenburg to make the steels uh, that's required for the offshore wind. Third, automotive. It's going to build another million units next year than it has this year. And last, Jim, that... Um, you know, it's really important, the infrastructure. That's going to take meaningful shape in 2023 and beyond. All of that underpinned by Nucor offering our customers the cleanest and safest steels available anywhere in the world. So, again, we, we're excited about uh, moving into 2023 and beyond and, and what we can do to help continue to rebuild and, and reshape the future of infrastructure and manufacturing in the United States. All right, one last question. I got a book up, one of my professors in college. The book's called Destined for War, and it's about the coming war that we might have with China. What happens if our steel for our weapons, our ships, were made from China and uh, had things in them that, frankly, made it so that in this coming war, by, by the way, the most distinguished professor at Harvard other than Professor Kissinger when I was there, what happens if, that, if, if we are fighting, our fighting men and women are equipped with Chinese steel? We, we can never allow that to happen, Jim. And my predecessors before me, and I will continue to scream from the rooftops, we have got to make sure we have the steel capacity to make the most intricate, delicate, um, in, insensitive grades of steel to ensure national defense. Uh, and Nucor is poised to do that and continue to do that. So um, the reality is we've been in a war with China for 20 years. We've just recently woken up and began to stand up to that and, and bring to bear the full weight of the United States and the most, um, well, the greatest nation in the world, but also the strongest economy in the world. Well, look, I just think you just got to keep fighting the good fight. This was just just horrible. I thought this one was put to rest because I saw all the great things that have happened in our country since it occurred. And I want to thank Leon Tapali and CEO of Nucor for that considered response. And it was considered versus what a lot of us would have said, because he is a gentleman and a scholar. Thank you, Leon. Good to see you. Thank you, Jim. 
Good night. Everybody's back here to the break. Coming up, what's in your mind, Kramerica? Give us a call. The lightning round is storming the NYSE. Next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time the lightning round. Let's start with Jack in New York. Jack. Hello, Jim. How are you tonight? I am good, Jack. How about you? Doing real well, thank you. I'm a long-term fan. Been a club member thank almost you. a year, and just re up yes. for two more. Oh yeah, we got a great Thursday meeting. Can't wait to hear from you. How can I help? All right. uh, Based on club recommendations, my biggest position in the financial area is Morgan Stanley. Now, do you think I should hold and homework? I I want you to hold it. I think it's terrific at 89, still 3.5% yield, doing incredibly well. Great idea, and thank you for belonging to the club. And I think other people should join Jack in the club, especially ahead of our Thursday meeting. Mark in Connecticut, Mark. Booyah, Jim. How are you? I'm good, Mark. How about you? Good. Thanks for taking my call. My dad and I are long-term listeners. I'm a finance student at Connecticut State University. and had a call in for an assignment for my class. My question for you is, what do you think about Schlumberger, ticker SLB? Okay, now, i gotta, I got to warn you that the oils now are rolling over, and they're all rolling over because the Russians have allowed to overproduce. They've just pretty much made a deal uh, between our Western allies and us that allows them to overproduce, which is going to cause Schlumberger to roll down another maybe $5, $6 before we're interested in buying, even though it's a great company. All right, I need to go to Anthony in Texas. Anthony! Howdy, Jim. How you feeling? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm all, I'm all good out here. Uh, can you detail me on what you think Alphabet's going to be going through in this next fiscal year? All right. All right. Here's what they're going to be going through. A series of layups, I hope, because they hired 12,500 people when they didn't really need them. The company has got to cut costs, cut costs, cut costs. They have got to get the expenses in line with the revenues. The thing's at 18 times earnings, and it's insanely cheap. We own it for the trust, but it is not making enough money. Let's go to Ian in Illinois. Ian. Jimmy, I know enterprise software is in the doghouse. What's the long-term outlook for Sprout Social? You know, I looked at these guys. I, I don't want to sound so biased, but I looked at it. I said, oh, my God, another enterprise software company next. But I promise to go back and look at it again because you deserve that. We do not give our viewers next when they're nice enough to call in, wait on the phone and speak to us. Let's go to Michael in Florida. Michael! Hey, how are you? I'm ready I'm good. for how you. Are you? BYD. I'm not, liking the, I'm not liking the casino space right now unless you got some Macau, because I do believe that China's opening up, so I have to think a big pass on Boyd. Now, how about Pete in Iowa? Pete! Booyah, Jim. This is Pete calling from Iowa. Hey, Pete from Iowa. How you doing? It's an amazing day. Hey, I'm calling about Grow Generation, the Home Depot of cannabis. Yeah, well, you know what? The Home Depot of cannabis is just kind of like came and gone. We had that one. We nailed that. We got that right in the buy. We got that right in the sell. And what we did was we never looked back. Okay, we're not done. Let's go to Daniel in Texas. Daniel, my brother. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Daniel. Hey, first. 
Hey, first time caller here. I want to hear your opinion of the stock Amprius Technologies. It's oh, AMPX. God, lithium ion ba- no, lithium ion battery. That means no. That, that's what it means. It was like literally, you hit up the symbol no, and you get lithium. I don't, no one uses that symbol no. That's probably pretty smart. I don't blame them. We're not recommending that stock. I want to go to Robert in Connecticut. Robert. Booyah, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. Rob, I'm here. My pleasure. Thank you, sir. Shout out to Central Connecticut State University and Dr. Fiore's class. Of course. Of course. With the return of a Disney legend at its home and a growing streaming business, is Disney a buy? Well, Mickey Mickey Mouse ahead of it. Oh, Bob Iger. Yeah, I'm sorry. Icon, icon, icon. My Chapel Trust owns Disney. I was going to buy it, but now it just got frozen because the way the product works, if I mention I like it, I can't talk about it, or if I mention it at all. I think Disney is a triple buy. Triple buy. That's actually nine buys, if you remember that from second grade. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up. The best of times or the worst? Well, neither. Why stark expectations led some investors astray on two big reports. Next. great retailers, two sets of expectations. One too high, the other too low. That's the tale of Lululemon the House of Pain. and Costco. House of Pleasure. The former was overestimated, the latter was underestimated, and that's a much better place to be in this business. For days on end, people have been cutting numbers and warning endlessly that Costco's seen some serious slowing. On the other hand, we got price target bump after price target bump for the beloved Lululemon. By the time they reported, no company could meet that hype. Let's break them down. First, Lulu, which got obliterated today, is on track with the plan they laid out in a recent analyst meeting. Should have been enough. Management talked about so many opportunities that you might think that this is the only real grower in the entire industry. And frankly, you know what? That's true. Lulu has fantastic growth both here and overseas. The Chinese business is still in its infancy. The numbers are staggering. Men's sales are gaining speed. The mirror is very much on track after a reset. To quote Tina Turner, it's simply the best. But that's why Lululemon was selling for 38 times earnings as of last night's close. The quarter was supposed to be flawless, and while it was very good, it wasn't flawless. Sure, they had a tad more inventory than we expected. Some felt their American sales were a percent or two below what's known as the whisper number, what the money managers were eager and secretly hoping to see. The main problem, though, is that Lulu's stock had run up dramatically going into the quarter. Doesn't matter how strong the numbers are if the strength's already baked into the share price. There were so many momentum traders in this thing, and they sold it just mercilessly. Once that they were disappointed, stock started down 30, then only finished the day down 48 points, or 12.85%. Even the analysts who loved it, frankly, barely defended it. I think maybe they were red-faced embarrassed. Unfortunately, this kind of selling usually doesn't stop after just one day. If you like Lulu, as I still do, by the way, I recommend waiting until next Tuesday to see if this selling that started today abates. Yes, it does take that long, but that will be your opportunity. How about Costco? Polar opposite. This stock has been a millstone around the market's neck, having fallen about 15% 
from its August high going into the quarter. Yet when Costco announced its earnings last night, they were exactly what we were looking for. No disappointment here. Added news, by the way, special dividend will be coming. It's only a matter of when, not if, as they told us in the call. That's one big reason we own Costco, have a nice precise position for the charitable trust. The conference call, frankly, it was electric. Make us realize that this company's head and shoulders above the competition when it comes to providing the best merchandise at the lowest price. Their call is run by the brilliant Rich Galanti, who does not suffer fools gladly. This time he was really on a roll, making it clear that the world has nowhere near enough Costco's, even as they don't plan on putting them up too fast. Uh, because that's not their style. You see, Costco doesn't run itself for the sake of Wall Street. It won't bend over backwards to make it easier for analysts to make their models or show some crazy growth rate. This business runs for one group, and that's the customers. Rich just tells you what they like and what they're buying, and you can figure out an awful lot about our country by reading Costco's conference call. I think you should be buying Costco if you don't already own it. The expectations have been wrenched out, and the upside awaits. Lose good, too, but you've got to let the sellers exhaust themselves and then, and only then, begin to buy. Expectations confound a lot of people, but in the end, they can create some tremendous opportunities, either before or after the moment of earnings truth. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'd find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.